Coming up, more football and some basketball. Wow. Okay, that's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we have a slew of football pods going up. The, this week, we have Ringer Fantasy Football Show, Ringer Gambling Show, Ryan Rossillo, Ringer NFL Show, this podcast. We're also covering the season. Big preview on the Ringer.com. Steven Ruiz did his QB rankings. Shio Kapadia has his trade value for the 2023 season coming out later this week. I've already gotten a couple arguments about it with him. You haven't even read it yet. Uh, we also have the Ringer Fantasy Football Guide as well if you have some last-minute drafts before Thursday. The big opening night, Travis Kelsey, we just found out he hyperextended his knee. We talked about uh, the Chiefs-Lions game a little bit with Peter Schrager coming up later. We didn't even know about the Kelsey thing. So could this be the year from hell for the Chiefs? Bad side, no Chris Jones. Kelsey's already kind of hurt. We'll see if it means anything. Uh, so and anyway, Peter Schrager coming up later and then Rob Mahoney to lead off as we're going to talk a little world championships. Team USA. Do people realize that USA might not win this tournament? Because that might be where we're headed. We're going to talk about all the things we learned from that team. Uh, also, new rewatchables we put up. Monday night, we did Lost in Translation, me and Amanda Dobbins, 20th anniversary of a really, really great movie. So uh, that is what I got for you. Let's bring in Mahoney. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Rob Mahoney's here from TheRinger.com. He's now a pop culture guy. He's barely a sports guy. He's been on our uh, Prestige TV podcast, breaking down the return of Justified, which was really good. You guys landed a nice spot with it, right? Very good. Enjoyed it a lot. But look, am I not allowed to dabble a little bit? Are we not a sports and pop culture website? We are, and there's nothing going on, which is why (laughs) it's so exciting. The uh, FIBA World Cup got really interesting when the U.S. lost to Lithuania, who then summarily got spanked by Serbia. They're out. They played one of the best uh, games of this whole tournament, and they're out. But I've been really fascinated by this 
USA team. It's really easy to catch up. The games are on super early here on the West Coast, but it's easy to go on ESPN Plus and just rewind and zip through them. And, um, you know, the big revelation, which everybody has been talking about, was Anthony Edwards becoming kind of the guy. Oh, yeah. On this team. And you could feel it in that Lithuania game when they really needed, you know, some baskets. And, you know, this is what happens in international. You just kind of like, okay, you, everybody looks at the one guy. All right, you got to do stuff. Were you prepared? for how close he was to mid ta- mid 2000s Dwayne Wade <laughs> like like just kind of that 06 playoffs run Wade of like you're not really a point guard but you have the ball all the time you go by anybody you want you're not an incredible outside shooter but you're good enough and you could just get contact and bounce off people I, I I was I had never really thought of him in the Wade context but that was my big takeaway well especially against international level competition right where the athletic gap for Edwards is even bigger than it is in the NBA. And, and normally when we see slashers like him, again, a guy who's so explosive off the dribble, who can get to his spot so easily, they don't always translate that well to international play. But right. he has just enough of a jumper to keep people honest. He's been consistent enough from the mid-range to really punish some teams. And man, just with the way Team USA tries to get up and down in transition, it really plays well for him. But to your point, he's he's been their best half-court weapon to date. It's not really even close. And they're going to need a lot more of that because otherwise, I don't know, Team USA's half-court offense has been maybe as gummy as we should have expected given you know the track record with some of these teams in previous international competition. But th- they're going to have to pull it out against some some pretty tough competition. It's certainly tougher than, than Italy, who we saw them you know dispatch pretty easily early this morning. Yeah, they're still favored on FanDuel. We need the Wednesday games to know, I think, what the matchups are going to be. But USA is minus 180 and Canada's plus 360 and Germany plus 850. But Franz got hurt. They were looking yeah. a little more dangerous maybe than they are with a semi-injured Franz. I, the Canada, I, I can't wait to talk about the Canada piece of it. But uh, with the Edwards thing, did it change your feeling? Like, does any of this affect how you feel about the upcoming season? Because... Edwards, I think, is the only guy in this team that made me maybe rethink a little in my head what the ceiling of that team is. I don't think Minnesota's going to win the title. Yeah. But, you know, could he become one of the seven, eight best guys in the league, like what happened with SGA last year, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, all right, if you're making any top 10 list, SGA has to be on that list. And I was wondering, could that be a possibility with Edwards? Where do you stand on that? I think if it was just this, if it was just FIBA, I would be a little bit more skeptical about the long-term prospect. But because we've seen this arc from him going back, especially kind of the back half of the regular season, some into the playoffs, you know, his progression, reading the floor as a playmaker, kind of being more, to your point, in a, in a lead guy context, whether that's you know point guard or even as a dominant ball handler or not, all that stuff is really promising. They still have a lot to figure out, obviously, in Minnesota in terms of making all the pieces fit just so and, and <laughs> yeah. all these bigs and kind of figuring all that out. But the fact that he can be this kind of player and worst case scenario, you can fall back on having the most dynamic creator on the floor. It's a pretty nice floor to have in, in a really crowded Western Conference. So I, I don't know how optimistic I am that they're going to reach like their maximum potential. Yeah, But they could level out as just being consistently better than some of these other teams out West just because of him. We saw the flashes with him defensively and... He's had a couple stretches in these games where he's just like, I'm going to absolutely torture this guy. I'm just a way better athlete. And I think that's been startling too, right? Yeah. On ball, he's always been pretty sensational. 
off ball, I think we can politely say he can get a little sleepy at times. Yeah. And, and you still see that some with Team USA, but they switch so much more in international play than the Timberwolves do. And so that really, you know, when you think about why Team USA plays the way it does, so much of it is just like maximizing the talent and the athleticism they had avail- have available. And that's kind of like, most accentuated through players like Edwards, who can be on yeah. the ball as much as possible, don't have to worry about trailing cutters and working like the backdoor stuff quite as often. He can just do what he does best defensively. And that's just be a really dogged, get into your jersey, really make your life a living hell kind of ball denier and ball stopper. And yeah. like that's a really fun player to watch. Can he be that all the time in a system that doesn't switch? I, I have my doubts, and that's where we need to see him like really grow up as a defender and kind of you know his his awareness and his IQ need to come along a little bit on that end. But he's he's such a great athlete. His instincts are really good, and God, I mean, so many of these these guards in international play just don't have the ability to get past him at all, or really even keep their dribble alive against yeah. him. Sometimes he's hitting every checkpoint you'd want to hit. Now, he hasn't had like the, you know, crazy playoff moment yet. But when you think he's 22 years old, but, you know, if you're going to be a special basketball player, you kind of want him to be special in this tournament, even though he's only 22. And I I think reading between the lines and the quotes and, you know, just from some of the whispers around, I don't think they expected him to be the guy on this team. You know, and I I think they've been pretty honest about that. Yeah. I don't think they want to come out and say, look, we thought this was going to be Brunson at the end of games, but they've they've said it in so many different ways. And I do think they felt like Brunson was going to be the crunch time guy. And you felt it in Lithuania. Lithuania, they played lights out. They make every three, super physical. They, they finally put a little dent in the Reeves hype, which was, <laughs> and you know, I'm the number one Reeves guy who hates the Lakers. Yeah. But they posted him up a couple of times. It was like, whoa, what's this? Are we seeing this next year? Um, everybody's kind of gone up and down, but I think Edwards has been the big winner. What uh, what else have you noticed from this team using your NBA brain, watching mm. it? Like what, what did you see that made you like tilt your brain a little bit? Well, I think we have to talk about the, the bigs issue, right? This kind yeah. of long-term trajectory of who Team USA brings along to play center and backup center and even power forward at times. I think those conversations are pretty related. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think has had some sensational moments defending the rim, get, like attacking in transition, getting stops in transition. But we're seeing the difference between defending in the NBA and defending an in international play. And in particular, I think we're seeing such a departure, but you know, from an era where we're used to the elite defenders also being elite rebounders for bigs, right? It's like bring yeah. Dwight Howard, bring Anthony Davis. We'll make the rest work, which is like the most dynamic collection of talent in the tournament at forward and guard. Jaron Jackson Jr., and if you want to stretch it out, even to, you know, the Draymond Greens of teams past, you know, Miles Turner was, was center for Team USA in the previous World Cup. These are guys who defend really well and who are, kind of, you know, all NBA level defenders, but aren't necessarily rebounding that well. And Lithuania took such advantage of that where Jonas Valanciunas was just like throwing Walker Kessler over his shoulder and scraping <laughs> right. down these boards. And at some point, the USA will get punished by that in a more meaningful way. You know, obviously they're going to be able to run up teams like Italy. I think, you know, Germany, even for as good as their bigs are, you know, Tyson and Mo Wagner have been pretty good in this tournament. But as a team, they don't offensive rebound as well. But you can see kind of what the formula is for beating the Americans now. And it's you, you do have to hit a lot of threes like Lithuania did. But if you can attack the glass and you have the size to beat a team that's running really small across the board right now, you got a shot in these games. 
They have done so much trial and error with the bigs, really going back to 04 when they first started having trouble with with that team. But that that team had Duncan. Um, but then, you know, I remember when Love played crunch time in 12. Yeah. And even though he wasn't, we weren't thinking of him as like a quote unquote center back then, but he did get the rebounds, right? And they've tried all these different ways. Like they always talk about how Chris Bosh was like the perfect international big. He's not the craziest rebounder either. They tried, what was it, two years ago or four years ago when they had the Miles Turner yeah, and JaVale McGee. And, and that, that one didn't work. It makes you think we just, America just doesn't produce guys like a Jonas Valanciunas, which, you know, it's not like he's yeah. one of the best 40 players in the league, but there's a specific like international big, these super physical, just kind of bowl you over. And, and Jackson, who was defensive player of the year, like he kind of didn't know what to do. He got in foul trouble immediately. Oh. Um, but I thought Kessler would be somebody that might be able to handle him. As you said, like Jonas just threw him over his shoulder and took him for a ride. So it is the one weakness. The good news, I guess, for the U.S. is I'm not sure Canada is going to be able to do that. They play no. a little more like America and Germany's not going to do that either. So they just might not see that type of team again. Lithuania just got waxed by Serbia. They're out. So, you know, if you're, if you're saying like that's your, your biggest weakness, not shocking. The rebounding is more concerning to me because if they play another close game, there is going to be a couple moments. Can you just grab a, can you grab a board? Who's doing it? Yeah. I think that's why Kerr was playing Hart so much. And then Hart stopped rebounding too the last couple of games. But um, I think just Hart's ability to do that, you know, off ball, those flying in rebounds and stuff like that, they really needed it. So um, I don't know what the long-term answer is. We start, do we, who is the guy we have for next year? To, I, I, I don't know who they add. Well, to your point, we've been outsourcing center play in the NBA overseas for a long time <laughs> right. now. I mean, even just thinking about who were the All-NBA centers this year, all three international players. Of the guys to even receive votes, Bam Adebayo and Brooke Lopez, I think, were the only American players to receive votes. Bam just went on a long finals run. He wasn't going to show up for this competition. He could be back. He would definitely be helpful. Hmm. Brooke, that did not go so well. when when he. I think he played in 2020. This, 20, in the last yeah, run. 2021. Yeah, 21. Yeah. Didn't go so well. Which is why you're already starting to hear about the courtship of Joel Embiid, right? Who who theoretically could be eligible if you wanted to as an American citizen now to play for the U.S. He could also play for France. And that's why like France losing in such embarrassing fashion in this tournament is maybe like a disaster scenario for the Americans because if they get really desperate and really go hard at Joel, you know, th th I think the U.S. could really use a guy like him, needless to say, the reigning MVP. But if Steve Kerr isn't, you know, sprinting through an airport or like holding up a boombox outside Joel's house or making some like impassioned plea monologue in the rain. I think we have failed as a nation. Like we need to get actual bigs on the floor. And that's the guy, unless you want to call up Nick Claxton, you know, that's kind of what the, the drop off is at this point. Can I zag? What's you the laid zag? out the MB thing perfectly. Ball stopper. I think, well, I think Steve Kerr likes, he likes the Edwards is about as, ball stopper as it gets, but even he's been pretty good with moving around. I'd be interested to yeah. see if they just abandoned that and they were like, we're going to bring in Embiid, who's never been able to play like that in his career. Like if they thought that was enough of a concern that they'd have to act, actually change what seems to be the, the goal of this team is a lot of movement, a lot of rewarding people who can play off the ball on the ball. That's why Brandon Ingram struggled. Feel bad. 
every year in the every time we have a tournament in the America team, there's always the one guy in the when you see in the bench, you're like, Yeah, oh, that guy's miserable. He might, he might be faking an injury <laughs> soon. And this year it's Brandon Ingram, who's just like, I just can I can we play the offense where I have the ball? I'm not I'm not Carmelo Anthony. Um from from a center standpoint though, I think Bam would be the yes. the kind of band-aid solution. Who's not like the most incredible rebounder either, but that's probably where this lands. Because I was trying to think like Devin Booker's definitely on this team. Yeah. Well, and, and to be clear, the the big boys usually show up for the Olympics in ways that they do not for the FIBA World Cup. And so everything we're talking about the center position, some of that stuff is papered over or has been in the past by the fact that Team USA always had LeBron or Kevin Durant on it for the most part. So you know what? It's pretty easy to rebound when you're playing yeah. those guys at the four. And we'll see kind of what the, the forward positions look like for Team USA. But do, do you know who was on the select team for Team USA this time around? Like, who, who's the young crop of bigs who, who could be up and coming for this group? Who was it? Tell me. Chet Holmgren, who has not played an NBA game yet. Oh. So interesting prospect down the line. I don't know about for Paris, but certainly as part of the program. And Nas Reed was the other center. So this My is, guy! <laughs> you know, if, if you want to go the opposite of the ball stopper direction, I guess throw Nas Reed out there in kind of the, the DeAndre Jordan role player center mode that we've seen from Team USA in years past. I'll tell you this. When Jonas was feeling it in that Lithuania game, Nas Reed would have at least tried to take a real <laughs> issue with it. Um, yeah, my guess would be Bam definitely. Yeah. Booker definitely. And then I think Tatum in the Durant spot, and this team's going to have to decide, like, at some point, if you're one of the older stars, do you, do you turn it over to the new crop, right? Durant's been basically part of this team since 2010. He's in his mid-30s now. I don't know why you would need Tatum and Durant. And I think they are going to be loyal to, to some of these dudes. But we know, like, Bobby Portis isn't going to be on the Olympic team, and Josh Hart probably won't either. And then no. they're going to have to figure out some sort of point guard you know, what they do with Brunson, Halliburton, what if somebody else wants to play? Um, the bigs will be the hardest thing to figure out, I think, though. What, what else have you seen just from, uh, oh, I'm surprised by this, as somebody who watches NBA basketball week after week, I wasn't expecting this. Anything else? Other than I, Dennis Schroeder becoming the best <laughs> point guard in the world? That's a funny thing, though, because I do feel like, in terms of how the Americans defend players on these other international teams, they usually do better with the Dennis Schroeder type, you know, the guys they know. Yeah are usually a little easier to handle than, um, I think it was after the Lithuania game, you know, Anthony Edwards like tipped his cap to number 22. So it's <laughs> right. like, you know, if you can't even name the guy you were guarding, it's usually yeah. a sign that like, maybe maybe you weren't completely plugged in on the scouting report the way you might have needed to be. But overall, I think it's just such a different scheme of competition between who can dominate, right? A, a player like Dennis Schroeder in the NBA cannot dominate. But on a one-game stretch against one one opponent who will not see you again until potentially the out rounds, he can be great. Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas can be great. These are guys who, in an NBA context, are pretty exploitable. And yet, you can see the diff like how how differently Team USA thinks about the schematic of their team relative to these guys, right? Like they have loaded up on guards and wings, the kinds of players who are really useful for adapting over a seven-game series. But if Jonas Valanciunas comes into a game and just wrecks the first eight to 10 minutes of it and completely changes the course of it, that, that's a very different outcome, right? Like that's not a seven game problem anymore. 
And so to see some of these guys who have really popped for the other international teams, like Daniel Tice, it's been a huge player on the international stage in a way he just like literally will never be. You know, I, I think you can have your moment. Pat him on the back. He's, he's come a long way. But the Americans have to do a little better reconciling those kinds of threats. And it's not as much of an issue when the, like, the utmost superstars are there on the competitive stage. But when your best players are, you know, Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brunson and Mikhail Bridges, really good NBA players, yeah. the guys who don't quite have the margin for error of your absolute superstars, you got to do a little bit better with some of these like one-off threats. You know, your, your guys in the Patty Mills mode of just like who could go off in a random FIBA game at a given point in time. You got to do a little better with that if you're the Americans. Yeah, it's really a tournament. Like Jordan Clarkson's like the perfect guy for this yeah. tournament. Where she's like, oh God, he's got he got going. What's happening? The the biggest issue I see, there's two games left. They're playing, I guess, either Thursday or Friday, probably yeah. Friday, and then uh Sunday, I think, is the final. There's two scenarios where they won't have the best player in the game. And one is Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other is Slovenia. And they're playing each other. I mean, so, the Bogdan Bogdanovich erasure that's happening right now. Yeah, have, well, some, they, have some respect. Yeah, that's true. He did destroy uh, Lithuania. But SGA is going to be a fascinating one because, I, you know, no surprise. He made first team all NBA. But I, at the same time, it is a tiny bit of a surprise. I think that some people not realizing like, oh, Luca is the best part in this tournament. Luca is the best part in this tournament. But at, for the, all the stuff SGA does and can do, you know, it's really not much of a difference. He gets any shot he wants. Who stops him on Team USA? Is this the Anthony mm. Edwards moment? Is this the, oh, you didn't realize I could do this if they end up playing them? Because I feel like it might be. That would or be a Bridges sensational would, Bridges matchup. would be the other one, right? And we, we've seen them throw heart at some of those guys, at least to start games too. And maybe yeah. if it gets more competitive, someone like Bridges shifts over. Man, Ant would be a really fun matchup. You just worry about like the amount of screens that Luca goes through, like exactly the kind of pressure that's going to put on your Jaron Jacksons and your Paolo Bancaros and some of those other guys to step up in those situations. But they'd have a good shot. I think I, I would love to see the Edwards matchup on Luca specifically. SGA is different, and Canada really overall is a different kind of threat because they're really the only team left in the field, and maybe the only team that was in this tournament to begin with that actually has the kind of depth. That, the, that Team USA has. And that's where right. we see in, in so many of these games, as gummy and awkward as Team USA's offense might look at times, they just explode on these huge runs when the second unit comes in a lot. Like Tyrese Halliburton just has them gunning out of the gate. They're so good in transition. Their pressure defense is really good. I mean, Halliburton almost outscored Italy, Italy's bench by himself. And right. that's kind of the differential between some of these matchups. Canada, though, has a lot of NBA talent a lot of rotation guys who are coming in off the bench who are filling out their lineups who are just quality NBA players. And we've seen, like, if you can have that kind of talent base and a star like Shea, that's a pretty good formula for to meddle in these kinds of tournaments. And that's, that's the trajectory that Canada's on, needless to say. But they might also be on a trajectory to just upset the Americans outright. Well, speaking of Canada, one of the big revelations of this tournament, Dylan Brooks. Given away by, you know, Memphis was just like, we're good. They want some. Please take them, anybody. Then Houston comes in. They pay him 80 for four. Nobody knows who they're even competing against. Seems pretty weird on paper, but, you know, Udoka goes in, wants no part of James Harden. He squashes that, brings in Van Vliet, who's just a grinder, 
you know, overachiever guy, brings in Dylan Brooks with this huge chip on his shoulder. And then you watch Canada and it's like SGA and Brooks, like this, this is the best backcourt in the tournament and Brooks looks awesome. And you start thinking, oh, that, that four for 80, maybe you know? not as crazy as it seems because there's not a lot of guys who have been in big games who can defend, who can, who just aren't afraid. And uh, I, weird, I don't, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I was like weirdly happy for him. I don't, and I was probably <laughs> one of the people writing him off, but I, I was, you know, you never like to write people off when they're 25. Maybe he'll no. learn from that experience. But it did make me think with Houston, it was like, okay, like they kind of nailed that draft. Shangun grew to 6'11 out of nowhere. <laughs> Nobody was expecting that. Jabari Smith looked amazing at Summer League. And now you have a real backcourt. Maybe that Rockets team will be fun. But were you surprised by by Brooks or were you like, oh, this was here all along? I mean, with a player like him on the trajectory he was on, I think you're always worried about just the tailspin straight out of the league at some point. Yeah. You know, a guy who shoots with that kind of volume and has that kind of confidence. I've always been a bit of a Brooks booster. You know, I, yeah. I really value what he does defensively. I really value, especially for a young team, or in this case, a, a very Canadian team, a guy who brings a lot of edge, right? A guy who has that kind of intensity, a guy who has the kind of on-ball defensive chops we're, we're praising with Edwards and with some of these other elite defenders in the tournament. So the fact that he can bring that to this mix, I think is incredibly valuable. The fact that he's going to bring it to the Rockets, I think is going to be pretty valuable. Totally. You're, you're going to want to pull your hair out sometimes, no matter when you watch him. But he's been just what Canada needs. And I think there will be nights where he's just what Houston needs too. And we'll just have to see kind of how that comes out over, you know, over the, the grand scheme of the season, how everyone is feeling about the Dylan Brooks experience. But he has a lot to give. He has a lot to take off the table sometimes too, but he does have a lot to give. Yeah, it's the old table test of taking forks and knives off, putting <laughs> forks and knives back on. You don't know what the silverware is just moving around. Uh you know, this is the last piece that, and then we can go, but the U.S.-Canada game, I think is really going to be a great sporting event. And I don't know when the finals are. And I'm really hoping it's before football starts on, on Sunday. Cause I believe it is. I need, believe it's an early start. Uh, yeah, good. Because that game is going to be fascinating. And, you know, I think it's a big moment for SGA. Guys like Kelly Olenek, who have always been these annoying playoff guys who can just out of nowhere hit six threes in a game like he did against the Wizards that year. So you have like that factor. It's an interesting RJ Barrett moment. Oh, can yeah. you stay out there in crunch time? You know, there, there's there been some games when he hasn't even been out there. And then just SGA in general, like trying to put his real stamp, not just on the tournament, but be like, hey, I'm one of the best players in the world and watch out for OKC this year. And then on the flip side, all the USA plots that we mentioned, I think that's an amazing game. Like, it's really one of the best international games we've had in a while, right? It would hypothetically be an amazing game. I feel like this is where your nationalism is subconsciously coming out because this happens every international tournament Canada shows up to. We get ahead of ourselves, penciling them mm. into the final, penciling them into the and semis. And then they blow it. They, they always blow it. And I'm, I'm optimistic that they can, you know, change their stripes this time around. But I simply refuse to indulge any Canada hypotheticals until they show up in the actual game and compete in it. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful, like, that matchup would be amazing. And it's been, I don't know, decades in the making at this point. We've been waiting for an actual USA-Canada rivalry type game. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I, well, I hope here's they have the other it in thing. this time. No Jamal Murray for them. No. So you just add him. Obviously, US is going to have more guys. But the Jamal Murray-SGA backcourt 
in the Olympics is going to be unbelievable. By the time people hear this, Canada, Slovenia is, is early morning on Wednesday and maybe Canada gets knocked out. People are listening to this going, look at these, look at these jack offs <laughs> talking about Canada, US, Canada's out. It's possible. It's and unfortunately very possible. And, and the Andrew Wiggins flirtations continue too. I don't know if you saw him, him tweeting out some Canadian flags in support of this team that he has kind of refused to play for over the years for various reasons. Uh, but hypothetically, if, if Canada decides they don't actually need a multi-year commitment from him after all, he could be added to this team as well. So the incredible talent base for Canadian basketball right now. Hopefully we'll get an incredible result from all that talent for, for really the first time in their program's recent history. Well, even Canada has Lou Dort just kind of just hanging over, out over in the closet. They're like, yeah. go, can you go grab Lou Dort for eight minutes? <laughs> and he just comes out. It's like, this is one of the better 3 and D guys. Great stuff. Uh, I can't wait for for the rest of these games. Between this and football, content was dead. We're doing we're recapping Justified every week. We're back, baby. <laughs> we're so we're back. Rank, we're ranking NBA players this week. I oh. demanded to be in the rankings. <laughs> I'm still so upset that James Harden got to 19 in the in the last batch of the rankings. I demanded to have a vote, so I I will be voting for our NBA rank this time around. I don't think he's going to make 19 this time. Where <laughs> where will Peyton Pritchard be on your ballot? Peyton Pritchard will not be on the ballot. Reeves, really? Reeves was, you know, kind of inching toward the top 10 for me. But then after watching <laughs> Lithuania, just work him like a speed bag. I think he's going to be dropping to the 60s. It gets really interesting once you get past like the first seven, eight guys. Oh, yeah. And you move into that LeBron, Ja, Anthony Davis, like all these dudes where you can make cases that they could go eight, they could go 15. You start weighing in the age and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to vote. Nothing makes people matter than ranking NBA <laughs> players. Like literally nothing. You can't do anything on the internet that makes people uh, more mad. Rob Mahoney, we can hear in the Ringer NBA show this week. Definitely. We're, we're getting back into our normal Ringer NBA show form shortly, but back into a kind of a group chat adjacent formulation this week with me and me and Varrier on there. Great. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you. Thanks, Bill. The NFL is back and the best place to celebrate is on FanDuel. Right now, all customers can get a no-sweat bet for week one. All you have to do is place a bet on any week one NFL game, and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. I would look at the two New York teams in the night games. You got the Giants hosting the Cowboys at home. You have the Jets hosting the Bills at home. You could even parlay those two babies together uh, if you want to. You could throw them in a tease, bring back, bring both of them back six points. That's what you can do on FanDuel. You can bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS and kick off the NFL season with America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel.com slash BS. You must be 21 plus and president select states. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and... They're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. 
All right, we are taping this Tuesday late morning. Our guy Peter Schrager is here. You can find him on Good Morning Football. You can find him on Fox for the 47th straight year for you on Fox. Yeah, 15th um, straight year, Bill. And I think we're going up against you guys now. FanDuel in the mornings on Sunday. Let's go. <laughs> what a battle. Uh, Lions playing Thursday night. You're all in on this team. You've been talking about it all summer. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you get too excited. Other times you're dead on. But you just feel like this team's going to be this offensive juggernaut. I guess we're going to get a nice glimpse on it Thursday night, especially if Chris Jones doesn't play. But tell us, just give us the bullet points. What do you love here? I think they're going to be the number one offense in football this year. I think the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, is a mad genius, and he's not from the same tree as the rest of the mad geniuses. He doesn't come from the McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan uh, branch. He's not a Gruden guy. He comes in and almost on his own. And it, this was the hottest offense in the league at the end of last season. And it was one that obviously rolled up all those wins at the end. They missed the playoffs. He would have been a number one head coaching candidate from all of these teams had vacancies. He pulled his name out of the conversations. 37 years old, smart guy, understated guy. And I don't think he's a familiar name or face to most of America, but he spent the entire offseason in the lab and building. And if you remember last year against the Packers in that week 18, it was just a taste, but it was like second and 17, up four in Lambeau, fourth quarter, calls a hook and ladder. Uh, you know, last year in a big game on a third and eight, calls Penny Sewell in motion and they go to Penny Sewell on a pass play. Different kind of offense than I think we're used to seeing when we talk about these high-powered offense. I think they're going to be using players in a lot of different ways, positionless, if you will. And I spoke with Brad Holmes, the GM on my podcast that I do uh, the season with Peter Schrager. And I thought it would be generic. Like, let's talk about this dude was gushing about Jameer Gibbs. And this was back in early July before all the fantasy hype started to go. And he said, when we were drafting Jameer, we were worried when we traded back that we wouldn't get him at 12. We wanted him so badly. And what we view in him is an elite positionless weapon, which means. You could play wide receiver. You could use him out of the backfield. We might use him as an H-back. We can do a lot of different things with him. And I think they view that offense as a lot of pieces and chess pieces that they can add in all different ways together. And they were just so rolling. That, so that's and the McCaffrey model. That's the McCaffrey model with Gibson. Absolutely. I think the McCaffrey model, I think the Debo model, if you want, is the way. And David Montgomery is a really good running back. They had a good running back room last year. Remember, they had DeAndre Swift and they had Jamal Williams who had 18 touchdowns on the ground and they blew the whole thing up. And they're like, we'll go with Montgomery and Gibbs. And they think they got better in the running back room. That's well, the offense. Counter. Counter. <laughs> they, they had two high first round picks. Um, they didn't really seem like they improved their defense that much in general. And that was the rub last year. Why? I mean, if people are going to pick them to be a possible fringe contender and all this stuff. Like, are they going to be able to stop people from scoring? Because on my scorecard, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, and you look at the teams in the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Chiefs both gave up 35 points or whatever in the Super Bowl. I think when it comes down to it, you got to score points in the league these days. It's not going to be that team that's the number one rated defense that immediately you put into the Super Bowl. Offense matters more than defense. Yeah. And that's how I see it. And they added Jack Campbell, who people rolled their eyes, 18th overall pick out of Iowa. They like them. They like their linebackers. And then on the defensive side, they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, got a little bite to him. And they got this guy, Brian Branch, who... A, for Holmes raving about what Gibbs is going to bring to them, Holmes, who I think is a really smart evaluator, is like, we were shocked Branch fled the second round. He's our starting safety. And then you add that to a defense that last year had an Aiden Hutchinson and had Houston on the outside. Like, 
they feel really good about their defense. Whether or not they can stop mm-hmm. a team when it matters most, we'll see. But I almost think that's secondary to what, what their offense is going to do. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. So they're the line against KC on Thursday. It's floating. It's like around six and a half, but there's like a Chris Jones, people kind of just staring at it. And if Chris Jones doesn't play, and I don't, I again, I'm not a huge fan of this Lions team, and I think there's been way too much hype. But if Chris Jones doesn't play, what an incredible way to start the season for them, right? Because yeah. they got Seattle at home in week two, and you don't want to go down 0 1. Then you play Seattle, and all of a sudden, Geno hits Lockett. You're down 7 0. It's like, wait, I thought we were going to the Super Bowl. We're all of a sudden upstairs at 0 2. But it feels like without Chris Jones, they could, we could see the offense kind of get unleashed. And we've seen the road teams in these opening night games sure. sometimes will get the Chiefs super themselves. frisky. Chiefs did it with Kareem Hunt that one year when they came into New England and were like, let's just go put up 42 in that, that opening yeah. game. Uh, the Lions have the possibility of just pissing down their leg, right? Like there's a chance we get there Thursday night and it's 38 nothing, and it's, what are we doing? I today had to pinch myself and we're recording this on a Tuesday and I'm like, holy shit, the NFL could have picked anyone just to kick the season. They chose the Lions. For years on Thanksgiving, we've been pleading, can we get any other team on Thanksgiving to start? Like, why are we committed to the Lions? It's such a... They chose the Lions. This is rare air, rare territory for them. As as Mike Francesco would say, rarefied air. Like, that's what it's this feels like to get that... Air. Rarefied air. To get opening week, be picked by the league and say, of all the teams, we're choosing you. And I think they're well, worthy. Can I, can I go counter on that? Yeah, I love when you go counter. Let's go. They have Thursday night game. They have a Thursday night game week four at Green Bay. They have a Monday night game home Vegas. They're Thursday Thanksgiving, the early game against Green Bay. And they have uh, week 17 at Dallas on a Saturday night. That's pretty brutal for 17 games. And you're in five different places, you know, uh, that aren't just the, like we were talking, I think it was Atlanta has the schedule where they just play at Sunday at one or four o'clock every single time nice for, for four straight months. I'm like, <laughs> I think I'd like that if I'm a football player. Uh, like that. these big marquee, we're on TV, here we are again. Like we've seen that go sideways sometimes. A million times. We see it year after year where the league's like, this is the team. How about Denver last year when they were put on primetime, I think the first four yep. weeks of the season. And by the time they were playing uh, the Colts on Amazon on a Thursday night were like, please, no more. Like, we're good. <laughs> right. you know? Like, we're done. Boycotting. Uh, we're done. We're done with Denver. Yeah. Well, at um, least the Lions are going to be fun. Like, dude, even if they're, they're not they're as good as we think, they're going to put up points. I think they're going to put up like 30 points every game. I love watching this this offense in the summer, even hearing the stories about how they're using Gibbs. And again, I you know, everyone does their Super Bowl picks. Not everyone has to do playoff picks. On Good Morning Football, they really put us, they pin us down. They're like, you need to put playoff picks. And yeah. it's very, look, I know the algorithm. Here's the algorithm, Bill. And if you want to be in sports media and be like the popular, you just say everyone's great. You say this, I think, I, I don't I put some respect on this team's name or don't be surprised when this team does. At some yeah. point, only seven teams make it out of each conference. And I think the Lions are going to win the NFC North and I'll put my name on it. I think this is the year for Detroit. And it might be a kiss of death, but uh, I feel like I've got pretty good intel on all these teams and I'm fine putting my name on it. So every year, half the teams that made the playoffs the year before don't make it. One of the cases for the Lions is like, okay, we got seven spots this year for new playoff teams. I couldn't get to seven with uh, my playoff picks. I could only get to six. I wasn't happy about it, but... <laughs> I'm higher on the Giants, I think, than most. So I gave Green Bay that NFC North spot. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But I just, I like Green Bay's team. I think their schedule is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm a believer in the Jordan Love uh, that, you know, 
it's no on the hype side. It's not Kenny Pickett level. No, like where like some of the Kenny Pickett quotes. I'm like, oh my god, could this guy potentially heal cancer someday? What's going to happen? With him? <laughs> um, but they, you know, they they're getting some some decent hype, and you know, I think having that Rogers Black Cloud has been nice for them. Yeah. So if I had to, if you had to make the case for the Packers, I know you're Detroit, but make the case for the Packers yeah. for us. That I'm right. I, what is it? I, ideal situation for a young quarterback. If you were to draw it up, you'd say, of course, we wish we had the luxury of three years in the lab and three years of learning with no pressure. He's a first round pick. They traded yeah. him to get him. Um, so if you're throwing Anthony Richardson into the fire at 21 years old and saying week one, just go. And that's the least ideal situation for a player. How about three years learning under a hall of fame quarterback who has whatever anyone wants to say about Rogers. He was very good to Jordan love. He could have held yeah. a grudge, but he learned from Favre that like, that's just not the way to do it. And from all the conversations I've had, Rogers really took to love and love was taken under his wing and learned everything from him and same coaching staff consistency. And, you know, Mark, Mark Murphy's the, uh, the president of the Packers. He had a little throwaway line in one of his press conferences that I thought was really interesting. He goes, well, we're finally going to see Matt's offense, which means Matt LaFleur. And it's like, you know, Rogers for years would be like, okay, I'll take your information, but let's meld it with what I can do and what I see and the audibles at the line. And it's worked in it. Well, that, and that's MBDs. more like QB under center, more yes. play action, all stuff Rogers didn't want to do. And in the real time, this is what we're changing it to. And I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with. And trust me, and, and in a way that maybe sometimes the coaching staffs would bristle uh, in the past where it's like, no, no, I got it. Don't worry. Jordan Love's going to run the Matt LaFleur offense, whatever that is. And he's going to run it uh, like a robot almost because that's just what he's been trained to do. And if I'm not mistaken, the LaFleur offense is a lot like the Shanahan offense where you've got a lot of different run concepts. You've got Bakhtiari, Rashawn Gary, these are, you know, Jair Alexander, these are superstars. So like, these are real, really good players on, on Green Bay. My counter to that is, I don't know, I don't know anything about Jordan Love. If like you were to tell me, name me five facts about Jordan Love. Can you tell me what Jordan Love does in a pressure situation? Can Jordan Love make the, I don't know. And we have to see, and they're the youngest team in the league on paper. So I'm going to stay away, but gosh, would that not be frustrating for the rest of the NFC North if Rodgers finally exits stage left and they just step right in and their new guy wins a division title right after him? It's a great storyline. I also, there's so much hype for Detroit that I would say Minnesota and Green Bay has got to be a little in the nobody believes in us zone, right? <laughs> right? Who's, <laughs> who's picking either of those teams? Um, except for me. I, and sound like Minnesota, which I thought was... Well, here's a the pretty Minnesota, fun zag. Here's the Minnesota argument. The offense is what it is. And I know they won a lot of close games. You and I, a million dollar yeah, picks. We lived, we, we lived and died with it. But Flores is a significantly better defensive coordinator than what they had last year. And their defense is supposed to be much better. So if they won 13 games and had a home playoff game without Brian Flores calling the shots on defense, you'd like to think that they can do better on D. I just think the schedule is difficult. And I think Detroit is, is significantly better than they were last year. Yeah, it feels like that whatever happened last year, it's hard to imagine them even coming close to that. They were 11 0, 11 and 0 in one, in one, one in score, score games, games or whatever that was. So even if talk, that turns into five and six, they're, you know. Did we talk about the quarterback on Netflix? Did you think that changed the narrative on Cousins at all? I feel like he comes into this season and people are like, you know what? He's corny. He loses big games. I fucking like Kirk Cousins. Like, do you feel like that after that series, people are different? Because I feel like all the talk right now, like no one's tearing him down. They're like, Cousins is one of those guys. Like he's getting a lot more respect than he than he was before doing that series. It does seem like he was the big winner of that series, other than people realizing how how hurt Mahomes was in the, yeah. in the playoffs in those last two episodes. So Mariota was the big loser, I think. And actually, if 
if you're to make the case for Atlanta as a playoff team, it's just watch watch that quarterback series. Like, oh man, they were in a lot of trouble at that position last year. I just I I can't get there with Ritter, uh, and I, I just think that, can't. That's exactly right, and you know it ended in a cloud of mystery when Mariota wasn't there, and like we still have kind of a mystery on what really went down there with the injury. But I go back to Cousins, and you know I see all these quarterbacks around the league, and uh, you know it's like I don't want to do that. It doesn't want to take attention away from the team. Like, was there any better public relations or commercial that one quarterback could no. do than what Cousins got? Like, he, there was so much goodwill around Cousins, and I think now it's like. Cousins in a contract year. He's a warrior. He plays hurt, and he's a really likable guy. And, the, and he's and he's a student of the game. I feel like that was the best thing Cousins could have done last season was to put it all on film and have people like kind of get to know him at a different level. And I think that's a commercial for the show, if anything. Yeah, those documentaries, and I've been involved in a few where it's it's completely changed what people think of somebody, or it gets them rooting for somebody that they've never thought about. Like we just did this G League documentary and there's a yeah. guy in a Gabe York who's like scrapping. He's 30 years on the old podcast, now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I'm getting texts from people who are just like, Hey, what's the Gabe update? You know, yeah, and it's, and it's only because you spent two hours watching this documentary and you're living with them. But I do think you're right. Cousins had such a kind of crap reputation. Yeah. And I don't know. A lot of people watch that documentary whether whether it was good or not i think is a different debate but um i think for the nfl it seemed like it was mostly positive especially the yeah. we i didn't learn a lot about mahomes but the audio of him combined with uh you know it, it just gave you a different insight to like oh yeah these guys are like really hurt when they're hurt it's <laughs> not like it's just not an injury report like these guys are compromised and playing through it I'll tell you, you talk about like whether it was good or not. I know that, you know, obviously there's there's levels of access and what they're going to let in. It's funny with Hard Knocks, um, you know, the Jets, they've had, you know, crazy ratings and that could be a result of writer's strike, actors uh, strike and people just looking for entertainment. And, mm. you know, the fact that Rodgers is in it, the Jets said they're not going to show players get cut. And, you know, on Tuesday night's episode, they they go into the the meeting where they, they show these undrafted guys making the team. And I came out on Good Morning Football. I'm like, that's not hard knocks to me. I want to see the player get his ass cut. Like, let's show like, right. like that's where it's at now. It's like, we don't have to do this. We don't want to. All right. So that might be a thing of yesteryear where we see the ugly side of football and maybe the ugly side of hard knocks. I do think Rogers is the number one, number two, number three, number four reasons the ratings were up because however you feel about him, he is really compelling in that format, right? He's like half full of shit. <laughs> the team does seem like they really respect and are interested in his opinion on everything. He's playing to the cameras because he's so shrewd with all this stuff. So even that part's fun. There's like a meta element to it where it's like, oh, come on. You're you're just doing this because the cameras are on. But he's also really good at it. And, and he's, he's funny. Every like, year we watch this show and the guys don't get that, the reality part of this, where it's like, oh, I'm actually performing on camera. And most people don't get it. And it's the ultimate window into into like what they want out there. So Rogers is like fully aware. So here's yeah. what we're gonna show. And I don't think Rogers is final approval, but I think the Jets and NFL films are working on what comes out. And gosh, for all the kicking and screaming the Jets did going into this thing, I couldn't imagine a better commercial for Aaron Rodgers than these past. Five. Every single person who watches this is texting me and like he's he's pretty likable. I'm like, well, you weren't tweeting that two years ago, you know. Yeah. So yes, it's like this has been a very good public relations experience for Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's authentic in how much he does love being in New York. Uh, just talking to people who who are in his world and then also at the Jets, it's like, this guy is a ray of sunshine every single day. It has not turned south yet. And we're now entering the season. We'll see how it goes. 
Yeah. One of the reasons I've had, like last year I was locked in and this year I'm having so much trouble figuring out what's going to happen. There's a couple of teams I love and a couple of teams I'm completely out on that I'm like, I know I'm right on this, but then there's this middle and it's like the Lions, it's the Jets, all these teams where it's like, I could really honestly see both sides, even Atlanta with their schedule and their ability to run the ball and their offensive line. And they made the defense a little better. We both like Arthur Smith. Yep. Like, yeah, I could see them getting there. But I just don't know with Ritter. With Rodgers, there is a case like the dude was hurt last year and that's why he didn't play well. And that's it. And we're going to watch him kick ass this year and we're going to say, oh, he was hurt last year. We should have known. What were we thinking? Oh, we're so stupid. There's also a case when he looks like he did last year and, yeah. and we say, thirty nine. Oh, you know old. what? Yeah, if he doesn't have awesome offensive line play and he's getting the, and he's not getting the shit kicked out of him, he's... He's, he's good, but when you bring in these other variables, not as good. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's a right or a wrong on this because we have no idea if the Jets O-line is going to be good. And we have no idea what he's going to look like heading into age 40. So I don't know. I, I'm open to all yeah. outcomes with that. I know. I know. And we're two years removed from the Packers offensive line being completely decimated and him still winning an MVP. I think his ability right. to get, get rid of the ball quick, <clears throat> to spot coverages, to make adjustments to the line makes it okay that if the offensive line isn't exactly, you know, the Cowboys of the 90s with Mark Stepnoski uh, blocking for mm. him. But, you know, Makai Becton is not going to be the, the lead topic on many sports shows or be on, you know, a guest on any podcast. But at right tackle, this is a guy, his first seven games in the league a few years ago was the most dominant rookie offensive lineman this sport has ever seen. He would just be swallowing guys, got injured put on a ton of weight. He hasn't played in two years and he's now down to the weight that he wants to be at. And they announced him as a starting right tackle. If he's a turnstile and Greg Rousseau has three sacks week one on Monday night football, like this could be a long season and Rogers could start popping off on him, and it could really go down South. If Makai Becton is okay. And if Dwayne Brown can play and stays the whole season healthy and gosh, they get anything out of the interior offensive line. They are really good. Their defense was number four overall in the league last year mm. with Zach Wilson and Mike White at quarterback. Now you add Rodgers in at quarterback and you add, you know, Dalvin Cook at running back, still very good. And and yeah. on defense, McDonald is a almost like a waiver at 15 overall, but it's a first round pass rusher that's coming in. And I like this guy, Tony Adams, who hasn't gotten any pub, but he's an undrafted safety from last you year. You put him on your list. My breakout you put him on your list. 10? Yeah, and I, I do a 10, 10 breakout players. He's number nine. And again, I do defensive players. I do guys. It's not just fantasy stuff, but I don't just throw shit at the wall. And it's like, when you hear from enough coaches at the Jets that, oh, Tony Adams, uh, in the same conversation as Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and Quinnen Williams, Tony Adams, undrafted safety out of Illinois. They're like, we love what he brings. Came in last year when LaMarcus Joyner got hurt and, you know, led us in a lot of ways in the final weeks of the season. And we're super, mm. this guy was such a standout last year as an undrafted rookie. He didn't even play in some of the preseason games this year. So I, again, this is what happens when you're a good team. You get names and names and names, and it's those second and third tier guys. And I, I, I don't think Rodgers is going to let them lose and just be a complete bust this year. I just don't see it. So I'm in on the Jets, and I've heard you and Sal, and, I've heard, and, and I understand if you're questioning Salah, he hasn't had the best time management skills, and there have been some real head scratchers, the way he handled the quarterback situation last year. But I mm. think Rodgers covers all of those wounds. And I think that Robert Sala is an excellent defensive-minded head coach. And let Rodgers and Hackett do the offense. We'll take care of the defense. And at the end of the road, I think the Jets are a playoff team. I don't know why, but I just feel like it's Miami or the Jets and it can't be both. 
Okay. And what about Buffalo? Miami has well, Miami has like all the same card. stuff, right? Like if Tua just give me four straight months of two, and I just think Miami's going eleven and six. Give me seven Tua games. I'm not as sure. And for some reason, I just feel more confident in Miami like, that in that variable than the Jets because I know what Miami is, and I love the Vic Fangio piece. Yeah, Ramsey. They're saying he's going to come back like beginning of December, but you know they'll speed it up, and I'll be like, <laughs> oh my god, week eight, he's out there already, and. uh I don't know. I just feel like there's a safer bet and I can't explain it. It's like a gut thing. No, you saw it. You know, they added Tyreek last year and they had Tyreek and Waddle. They had two of the fastest guys. Mostert's one of the fastest players in the league. They are a track team. And on defense, they're a track team. Jalen Phillips coming off the edge is a track like athlete. They, these guys are as fast and as, as quick as you could be. Uh, the, obviously the two thing is a major if, and we always say like, well, if he can be healthy, what you're saying is he's not going to get concussed. Like if yeah. Tua is not concussed, are we okay? And I think he's, but we've had other guys in, in recent NFL history, like Brandon cooks. It looked like his career was over. Yeah. And he's still out there playing. And, and then good. he's had like four straight thousand yard seasons. So sure. I don't, the concussion thing's weird. Cause it can cluster and then they, they do preventative stuff or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's, it's not what an issue you anymore. Make what did you, and I had know a little bit uh, with talking to the Dolphins folks, but like when Tua bit back at Ryan Clark a little bit, I think that was the first time we have seen Tua have some edge to him publicly. Yeah. But apparently that's Tua. Like he doesn't, he doesn't take shit. And as much as people pick on him and he's a pinata on the internet and you said it in fantasy drafts, people take Tua and it's like, we'll enjoy that for three weeks. Tua put on 10 pounds. He didn't want to put on 10 pounds. Everyone told him. Yeah for his safety, put on 10 pounds. He did it. He did the work. He worked his ass off this off season. And, you know, does Tua look a little thick? Yeah, he looks a little thick. He's got a big ass. He's always had a big ass, but that's how he's built. He's also a pretty proud guy. And I think, you know, at some point, there's a breaking point when all these other quarterbacks, whether it be Herbert or Burrow, are going to get these crazy contracts. He's fighting for a new contract too. And, you know, I think he bit back at Ryan Clark, but it wasn't at Ryan particularly. It was more at all of us in the media and saying, you know mm. what, everyone... You know, just watch your tongue. I, I, I'm going to do something this year and I'm ready to go. And I put too much work in to hear you guys talk shit about me. As a Pats fan, I'm more scared to go against them than the Jets. I yeah, just, because, if he's healthy, decades, I just don't want to guard those receivers. Like that's a fucking nightmare. The, you've owned the Jets uniform for decades. So you're wow, not scared true. of going into MetLife. The Dolphins always have success against New England. I have to think of this Jets team as almost like a clean slate. And I'm thinking of it like the Lions is a clean slate. These are logos that we don't expect to be talking positively about. And I think, you know, for better or worse, and maybe I'm just a product of doing a daily TV show, I'm all in on the Jets and the Lions. And again, I could, I could, I could regret, regret saying that in a couple of weeks when in, we actually see the football. But going into the season, I feel pretty confident in both those squads. Well, so last year, what the hype stuff, I'm trying to remember. Broncos, and I stupidly got all in. I was all in on like so Russell. you you missed that, but I, but it wasn't just you. It was a yeah. ton of people that were in on the Broncos. I'm trying to think what were the other the other hot teams going into last year. I think everyone was really in on Miami with you know Tyreek and the addition, and they and they lived up to it. They were awesome and out of the gate. Philly lived up to it too. Yes, everyone because that like, was another one where the odds moved from like plus 180 to win the division. And it was like even by the start of the season. That's the first time in my memory where everyone's like, if you look at the schedule. The Eagles have a really manageable schedule. And on, and I was, I was yeah. like, all these teams are good. You can't predict it based on strength of schedule. And sure enough, the Eagles just absolutely walked through their regular season and then did really well in the I mean, playoffs. And got, that's, and, that's the case for New Orleans. It's, you just look at the schedule. You're like, oh my God, they're, they're not playing anybody. Uh, let's take a break. I want to talk about out of nowhere teams. 
We are supported by NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV. If you're a displaced fan like myself, NFL Sunday Ticket is an absolute must-have. It's been in my life, I think, for the entire 21st century. And now that it's on YouTube and YouTube TV, it's easier than ever to keep up with all your favorite teams on Sunday afternoons, especially when it's one of the time zones when there's a million games at the same time. You can watch four preset games at once on multi-view. So, you know, week one, I got to give you my picks. These would be my top four games for multi-view. I would go Bengals-Browns. Can't wait to watch that one. Can't wait to see how Burrow looks. Titans-Saints. Interested in both teams. I picked both of them to win the division. So instantly I'm going to feel bad about one of them, but I really want to check out both of those teams. I got Jags-Colts. I want to see the Jags offense and I want to see what Anthony Richardson looks like. So that's a staple. And then the best one of the early games Niners, Steelers. I'm all in on the Steelers team. I'm kind of all in on the Niners too, but this could be, who knows? Could be a Super Bowl preview. Thanks to NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV for sponsoring this segment. It's truly the best place to keep up with all your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games like my beloved Patriots playing one of the late games against the Eagles. And right now, you can get $50 off your subscription when you sign up at youtube.com slash BS. Terms and blackout restrictions apply. Offer ends September 19th. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home could be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two S, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like simply safe. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay. That can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, so the, I cannot believe they made the playoff teams if you're just judging it based on um, just FanDuel odds, like plus, plus 300 and up basically. And you're looking at this cluster of Rams, Washington, Indy, Tampa, Vegas, Houston, Arizona. Uh, Heifetz just, we we found War, uh, Aaron Schatz moved DVOA to a different, yeah, um, it's a, a new network. We had him on as a guest. He was great. Yeah, it's on FTN. And his DVOA projections had Tampa to win the NFC South. And I was like, well, 
there's something I've put zero thought in, right? Yep. Just zero. Because it's like, at- oh, Baker Mayfield and Trask, post Brady, they were awful last year. No, no chance. But then I started thinking like, all right, well, we've seen this every year. Last year, we had Jacksonville plus 450 and Seattle at plus 500, both make it the happens. playoffs. So if, if I gave you Rams, Washington, Indy, Tampa, Las Vegas, Houston, Arizona. I have one more team you didn't mention. Who? Chicago. Okay, Chicago. So if I gave you all those teams and I told you four months from now, I'm going to be telling you one of those teams has made the playoffs, who would you pick? Chicago Bears. Chicago they say, Bears. This is another hype. You're like a hype addict. I'm not a hype addict. I, look, you're I'm, like I'm drinking not, fucking hype Kool-Aid. I'm not. And I'm not a Justin Fields like, oh, Justin Fields was early. I, I think this team is going to be significantly better this year. I think wow. DJ Moore is a major addition. I think they got mm. better on the offensive line. They actually spent money to build that offensive line up. And I think their young defense is pretty good. And I know they lost the last 10 games of the season. So I'm not like totally idiotic here and and, and not self-aware of what I'm saying. But I think they have a chance to win four, five, six more games based on the fact that they were so terrible last year and they add a lot of personnel-wise. Mm. And this is Fields year three, and you got to think he's been through as bad a surrounding situation his first two years in the league as anybody. And now That's it's fair. probably like things have gotten a little better, and I kind of like their team. Interesting one. I can't, like? there with, I can't Tampa? get there with Fields. No, you know what I like? I don't really... So there's that other group of the kind of can't believe it's, and I have five from that group and I actually don't have any from the cannot believe it group. And I know I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> it's going to be one of those, but, uh, I like for, it's kind of in the middle ground, but Tennessee and new England, I think really well, coached. I think are the two like, right. Cause the Tennessee thing, they've just been written off completely and I don't fully understand it. They're eight, three, and they just got decimated by injuries. I think they're better this year. I know Tajay Sharp. <laughs> I know you've spent a couple segments on him during yeah. the preseason, but he has a chance to be this electric rookie sure. that just this change of pace guy with Henry. And Tannehill's another, you mentioned Cousins, how people are just kind of done with Cousins. They're like, ah, I've been there. He's yeah. 35. I'm That's bored. Tannehill. You're right. Tannehill's another one where it's like people, now he's just done. He's gone. He had no receivers last year, no offensive line. And their offensive line is going to be the you know, that'll be what does them in if, sure. if it doesn't happen for them. But they, I still feel I trust Vrabel. You got to trust Vrabel. They, I think they had a record number of players dressed for them last year. I think they had something like 89 players dressed for them right. in, never during the good, season. Never, never a good, good sign. And I know Mike Lombardi talked about it with you, but like, it's one of the greatest coaching performances. He's not overestimating that when they went to overtime with the Chiefs in Arrowhead with Malik Willis and absolutely no yeah. offense. Just like, let's say, but Vrabel had him in even better to me was week... Week 18, they're playing the Jaguars for a division title with Josh Dobbs, who was called up like two days ago. And they are a couple of plays away from winning that game. So yeah. Vrabel gets him the coach. He is one of the best coaches in football. Players love playing for him. Um, I just don't know if they have enough horses to get in them in the loaded AFC this year. And you're you're higher. You're a Jags believer. You're buying the Jags. I am. Just because of offense. Like Peter, Peter King had them predicted as his number one seed, which means... You're all the way in on that offense. I'm not all the way in, and I don't really see it. I like their offense. I like Press Taylor, their offensive coordinator. I had him on my podcast earlier this season, and he was talking about the things that they could do with Trevor Lawrence that are even different from last year. And when you add Calvin Ridley, who was a legitimate number one wide receiver a couple of years ago, and you say, okay, we'll just drop him into an offense that was as good as any towards the end of the season, it's very easy to get excited about him. Now, here's the thing. They got 
some big wins last year against the Cowboys with some interceptions from Dak that were like deflected passes. They had the Tennessee situation at the end. The Chargers just, you know, absolutely just decompose in in the the wild card game. They had some good wins last year. And, uh, you know, I know Cousin Sal wasn't as high on Doug Peterson as as others might be, but I, I, I think the coaching on the offensive side of the ball with Peterson and Press Taylor, like I feel like that offense is going to perform. It's going to be on the defense if they can stop someone at the end. And I'm in on the Jaguars also as division winners, not going to the Super Bowl or anything. Well, you've heard me talk about my guy Kenny Pickett. There was a thing this week, as you know, I monitor the dumb preseason articles and all the quotes from the teammates. They named Kenny Pickett as a captain in year two. And I'm going to give you two quotes. Okay. One about people who weren't surprised that he became a cap uh, captain. One was left tackle Dan Moore. The way he approaches each day, the way he grasps the offense, he really has a voice. I talked to a lot of guys about it. Kenny has it. I don't know what it is, but he has it. There's right. one. Center Mason Cole indicated he would have been surprised had Pickett not been named captain. We knew it all along, Cole said. Wow. He's been a leader since he got here. It's cool to see him have the role. I, I'm buying everybody's Kenny Pickett stock. I'm all in. I like the way he finished last year. We rode them a couple times, a million oh, dollar yes, picks. Um, what am I not seeing with this picket thing? It just seems like he's going to be really good for them. The Steelers are going to be really good. They finished last year wrong. Why have they only gotten one-tenth of the Lions hype? Uh, it's it's interesting because they finished as good as any team in the league and he won games at the end of the season that like were like, Kenny, we need an 80-yard drive against the Raiders on Christmas right. Eve. I'll go and get it, you know? Yeah. We need you to go and, and do this against the Ravens in a big game in Baltimore. He went and got it. Like, I'll go get us that win. Um, I love Kenny Pickett, but I didn't coming out of the draft. I had no feel for it. You know, 19 other teams passed on him. It wasn't like Kenny Pickett was this hot prospect. It was that weird draft year two years ago where no one wanted any of the quarterbacks. And Mike Tomlin is sitting there at 20th overall who had eyes on Kenny Pickett his entire time at Pittsburgh. If you've ever been to that facility... It's the University of Pittsburgh practices right next to the Steelers. They, the guys go in the hallways, they see each other. I used to work at Dave Wanstead at Fox. He's like, we were at Pitt, but one of the, 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 the best things was we would take the NFL guys and just say, hey, meet, Lady, meet, meet Shady McCoy, meet Aaron Donald. Like, you're almost at an NFL facility every single day when you play at Pitt. Kenny Pickett was playing in front of Mike Tomlin. So for Tomlin to draft him, it obviously shows you. So he oh, saw, he I saw, saw it. stuff. Like, yeah. I saw it. I know it. Um, I'm biased. Kenny Pickett's an Ocean, New Jersey guy. He's a Jersey Shore guy. I love everything about his moxie and his attitude. He walks in. He's got swagger. He's not one of these guys who's going to talk to talk. He just kind of walks and leads by example. And those guys absolutely love playing for him. You add to the fact that there's not this huge veteran presence on that offense. So he has a chance to be that voice. It's Najee who's in his third year. It's George Pickens in his second year. Deontay Johnson's a young guy. Fryer Moot's a young guy. So he mm. is the leader. He comes in there and that defense is going to always be good. They're always going to show up. TJ Watt is healthy. Again, there can only be seven teams to make the playoffs. If you're saying you're high on the Steelers, well, you can't also be high on the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Jets, the Bills, the Chargers. Yeah. Like, that's the struggle with this thing. I did my playoff picks for Good Morning Football. I have the Steelers as a wild card. I have the Ravens not making the playoffs. That's crazy Me neither. talk. It's crazy talk. Everyone, it's not I mean, that crazy. Their defense isn't that good. Thank I you. Don't see, and they're that, also in an awesome division. So I have three playoff teams in the in the AFC you, North. Did you go with the Browns? I do. 
I'm going to oh. read it to you right now. Let's go, dude. Here's what I have. People are going to think I'm drunk. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers as the one seed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I love it. You, you study this. You always talk about, I've been on vacation. I've been studying. And then you come out and you have a take. It's not just, I've been studying. Here's the Chiefs as the one. No, Steelers as the one. I have the Chiefs as the two seed. I have them the same record, 12 and five for both. Okay. I have Miami as the three seed at 11 and six. I have Tennessee at the four seed. I love this. Cincy first, first wild okay. card, 11 and six. I think it's a rocky year though. I think people get nervous the first month and oh God, oh, oh, and, and then they rally. Cleveland as Damn. our six seed. Let's go. And New England at nine and eight in like a five team, nine and eight yeah. tie that they somehow win to get the seventh seed. No so Chargers, no Jets, no Ravens. No Bills. No Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting Hell frisky. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, listen, you got to bump out six or seven teams from last year. You just it, have to. There's, there's no, only this is the way the NFL rules. At the end. That's this it. This is it. There's this seven is like rooms. the Giants made the playoffs last year. Nobody fucking saw it coming, but this is what happens. I'm telling you, if there's a chat GPT or there's an algorithm to go viral, you just say, oh, I think Team X is going to make the playoffs. Well, if you do think that, that means Team Y isn't making the playoffs. Can I give you my seven real quick right. in the AFC? Let's rattle them off. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. I like the Bengals as a one seed. All right. Okay. I, like the, I like the Chiefs as a two seed. As my three seed, the Jaguars. I got the Jets winning the AFC East. That's yep. my four seed. Five, I go Bills. I think go Bills. Six Steelers. And then seven, my home run swing that, you know, you always got to throw it out there. One team is going to come from nowhere. I've got the Denver freaking Broncos. A making lot of people playoffs. have them though. That's not, they're popular. Here we go. I'm telling you, I would, I would follow that man. <laughs> I'm telling you, Sean Payton, I, I've said this before to you. I wasn't tight with Sean Payton for ever. Like he's got his people. Jay Glazer was one of his guys. I'm like, eh, not my cup of tea. He's, you know, he's older than me. He's not my style. I've got my own young coaches. I always try to, you know, talk with Sean Payton's just not going to be my guy. Last year we're paired by marriage to do this Fox show. I'm kind of like, all right, we'll see here. Goes, Sean Payton's going to give us Parcel stories. Here we go. I freaking love the guy. I was ready to walk into traffic for the guy. Every day we went to this Fox show, it was like a pep talk in the morning. And then on Saturday night, he would check in. He's like, where are we going to dinner? We're doing this as a team. And for years, we never went out to dinner for Saturday nights. Like we didn't do like that. It was, you'd get into LA and you'd tuck yourself into bed and you'd, you know, watch some college football games. Sean Payton's like, no, we're going out as a team. It's us against the world. What's ESPN's ratings? I want to know their ratings. I want to get better than ESPN's. Who the hell watches that CBS show? Let's be better than that CBS show. Like, this is what Sean Payton brings. It's just like relentless energy to compete. And I, I got to think that there are a lot of those young Broncos players. They haven't been in the playoffs ever. You know, yeah. 2016 was the last time they went. Peyton Manning was the quarterback and he is shaking things up. He is rattling the cage. There's been some uncomfortable conversations there, including with the quarterback, I'm sure. And I just believe in him. I, and I spoke to him this weekend and the topic of all topics, you'll love this. We were talking about Jimmy Buffett. He's a big Jimmy Buffett guy, right? So yeah. Jimmy Buffett passes and Jimmy Buffett's a diehard Saints fan. Was at the first Saints game ever. So I just send him a quick like condolences, whatever. You know, you do that when someone dies that you're like, are you really that close of friends with them? I don't know. Like thoughts and prayers, whatever I said to him, like for Jimmy Buffett and hits me up and he's like, I've never been so excited. Like, I really love what we've got. And, and gosh, like th th this feels right. Like it feels right. So 
I don't know. Look, is their offensive line going to hold up? Who knows? It, could this fall on its face? Maybe. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, pick seven teams, I'll go with Sean Payton over a lot of these coaches in the AFC. It's a great argument. It's, and as you know, I, and I've talked about it a couple pods, the new coach theory just works every year. And I looked long and hard and I was thinking about them and that if it's a nine and eight quagmire, could they get it? So you went, you went Patriots though, huh? I did. I think that defense is going to be excellent. Yeah. And yeah. I, d- I really do feel like this is a prove it year for Belichick. This is an, I don't want to go down like this kind of year, but the, the Peyton thing. So they win the Super Bowl in 2010. Yeah. I knew you were going to bring this up. So I want to have some stuff with, throw back You in. come with receipts. Well, they're five and seven in the playoffs since 2010. Yeah. They've had some really weird games. The San Francisco They missed the playoffs game. four times in nine years. They had some dumb losses. And Minneapolis miracle. You're talking the, 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 you know, the Rams, the pass interference, some crazy losses, man. Right. So, and I look back at all those Saints years and I'm like, what? So Sean Payton, like what makes him special as a coach? And it's points. It's scoring points. It's putting up big offense. And I don't see it with this Denver team. I don't really like any of their skill position guys. I think if you're going to rank their receivers, you, you would put them in the bottom third of receiver rooms. The, the running backs like Javante Williams, he had a real injury last year. He's yeah. not going to be 100% this year. And the Wilson piece, I don't get it all. So here, here's where I have them pigeonholed. Slow start. They figure out the Russell Wilson piece by like week eight. Stidham sitting there. House in our keeper draft last night. He spent he like take, nine bucks on Jared Stidham? Stidham. Yeah, he's like, I'm in on Stidham. I think he's going to be the QB by November. And I could see them as the late bloomer kind of Steelers last year. Slow start. Figuring oh, it out. he figured out. But I think it's going to take two months. I don't think it happens right away. So that's, I, that's how I talked myself out of it. And I think ultimately he'll build the team that he's used to having, but it's going to be next year, not this year. They're going to be, they're going to be pissing vinegar though. Like they are going to, he is, he gets these guys in a lather and gets them going. Like they are going to be ready every week. I get and I think it, that but was, that Wilson trade's a disaster. They gave up so many assets and Wilson, got nothing back. Here's my Wilson insight. And I'll oh, tell you okay. when, when <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm excited for this. Stop the presses. No, I'm excited uh, for a zag on Russell Wilson. Be ready. I don't think Sean took the job because of Russell Wilson. It wasn't like, hey, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting. Sean took the job because it's a Denver freaking Broncos. It's a legendary franchise. And the owners offered him somewhat close to $20 million. And it was like, yes, let's go and do this. Let's go and do it. That's fine. Um, but Drew, it's, Drew Brees, a, it's a, we trust you. Here's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. This is Look, a rebuild. He was coming back. We don't anyway. have to win the Super Bowl next year. Like, can you actually build us a real football program? This is not something that just happens in 23. Okay. But new owners. So they're coming in and they want to go take a big swing. I, I said it to him. Uh, you know, I feel like it's a super max contract. It's the first one we've seen with coaching and it might, it might screw some of these owners over. You talk about Deshaun Watson's contract for what, for what Peyton got. Now yeah. you have all these young coaches who are coming to their owners and being like, well, why should Sean Payton make that much more than me? So he changes the landscape there, but the owners gave him a giant check and they're like, we're in on you. All right. So he comes in, he's all in, he's excited. Um, let's see about Russell Wilson. The two of them had very little to know with each other. They were, he coached him in the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago, said he was fine, whatever. Drew Brees lives in San Diego and that's where Russell Wilson lives. The two of them have this relationship and through Brees... Russ and Peyton started talking. They go to the NBA playoff games together. They go to the Nuggets games together. And then I think that they're really, really in a good place right now where Sean Payton, though not 
coming to Denver to coach Russell Wilson. It wasn't like that was the shining thing. He's yeah. excited as hell. And Russell Wilson has gotten his body in shape. I'm hearing 10 to 15 pounds slighter. And I know everyone comes out of training camp in the best shape of their life. But in this case, it's a different body type for Russ where, you know, Sal always jokes about the rumbling, bumbling, stumbling Russell Wilson. But like, yeah, I think Russell's going to be mobile this year. And that's the hope. Oh, and, that would be a bonus. Well, then you take that. 45 so, million a year. I would hope he'd be able to move around. So you take that, you take the way Sean could draw up. Now, look, there's a name that I put on my breakout list that isn't anywhere on the fantasy list. And Matthew Barry is not going to mention him. And none of the, you know, Danny Heifetz and those guys aren't talking about Greg Dulcich is there, like mm. do everything tight end. He's second year guy at a UCLA. I, I think like Sean has, I think Sean's got a big piece for him in the offense, use them in a lot of different ways. And they've got a lot of young talent and they've got a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl and has been through everything together. I, I, look, I think that Denver with Sean is going to be a, a relevant team this year. And I've got them in the playoffs, but if they just miss it and they're nine and eight and they're eight or nine, I think they're, they're one of those squads that say, okay, in any other year, they could have made it. Let's take a break and we'll do the NFC quick. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats, Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're, just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, so I gave you my AFC playoff teams. And now I'm going to give you the NFC playoff teams that I picked. Okay. And when I get to the last team, we're going to talk about them. Here we go. Number one seed, Philly. Number two seed, San Francisco. Number three seed, New Orleans. Schedule related, that's it. Okay. Number four, Green Bay. Highest wild card, Dallas. And then I have Seattle at nine and eight in the sixth seed. And the New York football giants as the seventh seed at nine and eight. Um, here it is. I think they're better than they were last year. Okay. We talked about it a little on the over-unders, but to me, this is a day ball pick. I just think to me, he has moved into that Tomlin Vrabel kind of area where it's like, I just don't see how you're going to have a losing record unless like a cat catastrophic injuries happen. You're just, you guys are too well coached. And I like some of the stuff they did with their defense. And the Wink Martindale stuff where it's just like, they have like a fucking million D-backs now. Yeah. They have a pass rush and a million D-backs. And there's going to be like, what, two, three games 
Somebody will rush for, like when Carolina just ran for like 300 yards against it Detroit happens. last year. <laughs> They'll have two or three games like that. We'll be like, oh my God, they ran the balls down our, the ran the ball down our throat. The every single time yeah. they played them. Yes. We, look, we look awful. Oh, wow, the Giants. But they're going to get to nine and eight and they might even get to 10 and seven. This is your team. What are, what are your Giants takes? I've got the Giants in the playoffs as well. Yes, I've got here the Giants we go. in the playoffs as well. But at the great sacrifice of another team, here are my seven playoff teams. Number one mm. seed, the Niners. Like they are the one seed. Number two, the Eagles. Number three, I also have the Saints as a three seed hosting a playoff game. Four, the Lions. I've got the Lions okay. winning the NFC North. And then it gets a little frisky. Um, I like the Vikings to make the playoffs. Some late Vikings buzz in the prediction I like circles. The, I think the Brian Flores addition is, you know, they were a good team as was, and then you get, get Flores in there. I like the Seahawks a lot. I almost had the Seahawks. If the Niners weren't so loaded, I would have Seahawks as a division winner. And then I had two of the Giants, which means I left the Cowboys out of my NFC wow. playoff This is like me leaving off the Bills. Listen, this happens every year. Happen. We have shockers. Some team is like... There's a chance that the Bills don't make the playoffs. I'm sorry. And there's a chance the Cowboys don't. And so in my what's case, the case the for Cowboys, Dallas? Because, I mean, Dallas has an awesome defense. Sure do. So, you're, so how does it go wrong with that defense? I think Dan Quinn is a NFL head coach up and down and wherever he wants to go and is an awesome leader of men. And that defense is legit. I don't know how you let Kellen Moore walk out that building as offensive mm. coordinator. They were the... Fourth ranked offense last year. I think in Kellen's four years there as OC, they were the second ranked offense. I think they put up the, the most passing yards. They put up a top five rushing offense every year. I think they're going to miss a few guys there. I think Dalton Schultz will be missed. I think Zeke Elliott will be missed. And I think Kellen Moore will be immensely missed. And this is nothing against Mike McCarthy as it looks like it's a zero-sum game. And you're saying, well, you must be saying... I, just, I, just, I mean, you're telling me that, okay, Kellen Moore put up those huge numbers as offensive coordinator and they're going to improve with him out the building and in, in L.A.? I think they're going to really miss his presence. I don't think they're going to score as many points as they did in recent years. And I think that offense takes a step back. And so if that's the case... I think the Giants are very steady and they're loaded in every position. And I think the Giants got better. I'm going with the Giants over the Cowboys this year in the NFC East. Can I imitate every Cowboys fan right now? Let's go. We've owned the Giants for I six know. years. I know. They have. Fuck you, Schrager. Typical Giants bullshit. Listen, this is all going to come down to this Sunday night game. <laughs> Week one. You're right. We'll see. Wait, but like, if the Giants can come in and actually handle Dallas and do well and win that game... I think you're going to be right. And in general, I like I I like both of them as playoff teams, but I do think I was trying to think uh who's going to be the oh my god. What what's going wrong with that team team which we have every year. Last year was the Rams. We yeah. knew by the end of September we're all looking at the Rams going, "Ooh. Oh no. Whoa, we were way wrong on this team." I find it harder to believe with Dallas's defense that's going to happen, but I also could see like one of those weird years where it's like, man, the Pythagorean theorem has them at 12 and five, but they're headed for nine and eight. Like it is, it yeah, is they're conceivable. Not, they're not a five win team. They're one of those nine no. or 10 win teams that just missed it's the like playoffs. It's like a season went to hell kind of, kind of yeah, thing. I think and it's, happen. it's one of these deals where, you know, TV networks would, cry in their pillows over this. The t the ratings do great when the Cowboys are good and they're always on prime time and all that stuff. I think they made a really interesting decision letting Kellen Moore walk out that door. And I think everyone just kind of brushed over. It's like, ah, well, Schottenheimer yeah. will come in and Mike McCarthy's an offensive coach. They'll be fine. Uh, you know, 
Kellen and Dak were really tight. It, Kellen was Dak's backup for many years, and then he was his quarterback's coach, and he was his offensive coordinator, and Dak has been a really good NFL quarterback. Do you tell me that you give him this confidant, this guy that the two of them have been together forever, then suddenly he walks out the door, and now Dak's going to take a giant leap and be even better? Well, maybe, and maybe Kellen Moore was holding him back. I don't see that as the case. I, to me, Dak is a, what do we got here guy, too? We'll see. Because I had a Giants fan. I was, I caught a Giants fan that I know who's really dialed in and is usually right. And last year was telling me we're going to be better than people think. Okay. And I was, and I was like, what do you think of this week one? And he's like, look, we can get to Dak. This is it. Dak doesn't like to be hit. Dak's not good when he's pressured. And we can, we can get to him. Like he was like, we're going to win week one. It's happening. We are going to get to him. We're going to make him uncomfortable. And he does not like to be uncomfortable. And it's true. Like Dax, I I think what people think, and we talk about this all the time, but what people think Dak is versus what he's actually been, it's two different conversations. I love, I I love Dak in certain moments, but like, if you're just looking at, okay, now pick your top five quarterbacks in the league, Dak's probably not on that list. And then if you're saying- He's definitely not on that list. What do you mean? So then if you're taking away a really trusted offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and you're saying we're better off without him, well then, okay, I got to see it first. That's it. I got to see it first. I don't know what this offense looks like. Is C.D. Lamb? He's talked he, about if you're gonna one. if you're gonna rank him against the other number one receivers, I don't think he's one of the ten best. He's I talked don't, about it like that, you know. He's considered that way. I haven't. I mean, he's a very good player. I worry he, about Brandon Cooks holding up for a whole season because of the concussion stuff we mentioned before. And then Pollard has always been in this situation where he's like this glorified, awesome luxury. He was amazing. He's a Ferrari. But now he's like, do you have three hundred carries and seventy five catches in you? By the way, uh, like a, or is Deuce this, Vaughn going to be somebody who can step up for them? I don't know. You're going to get excited by this. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it's Cowboys related. I hear Zeke looks amazing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I hear on the Pats. Yes, and I hear that he's in the best shape that he's been in, and that he has been the leader. I, I've got you know, your your listeners might roll their eyes and oh, I've got stories, but like people in New England are telling me that Zeke showed yeah. up and it was like, all right, really good meeting, really good work, like, and then in the few weeks he's been there has immediately become like this veteran leader where it's like, Oh shit. Like Zeke Elliott's been in a lot of big games and has been a star player everywhere he's been. And he has taken this team and kind of this offense under his wing as like the veteran leader. And Ramondre's the number one. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. Zeke Elliott's going to be very important to the Patriots this year. And I think the the Cowboys might miss Zeke Elliott quite a bit. Well, and he also saves some miles on Ramondre. He's a good goal line guy, but you're right. Like, there's a definite different vibe to this Pats team. And the question is going to be the offensive line, which is why I, I had them. I was like ready to pick them to win the AFC East. And the offensive line stuff really makes me nervous. And we'll see how it goes. I think they're going to do some more RPO stuff to, you know, kind of take a little heat off that and just move fast and go quick. But this week one matchup for them is a disaster. This is like, the, like literally the worst team they could play with offensive line questions. But I'm with it's you. Tough. The vibe's different. Last year was... Just not a, Tom Curran wrote a great piece the other day about like last year was just not a Patriots year. And can they at least get their identity back of we don't beat ourselves? We're really well coached. We're smart. We maximize the people we have. We're tough. We're gritty. We stay in games. We like, can they get that back or was that just attached to Brady? Last year was their worst year in in recent memory. And they're that Bengals crazy Ramondre fumble away and the Jacoby Myers play away from making the playoffs. So right. as bad with the, as they with a were, team that wasn't even that good. As bad as they were, and as no receivers that they had, like 
I, I put him on my breakout list and I've talked about him with you over text. Like yeah. Pop Douglas, Pop Douglas is going to be a thing. This is a six round pick, uh, you know, out of Liberty and he's five foot eight, but like they they really like Pop Douglas. They really like Zeke. They really like the other rookie out of LSU, Butte. Like they like these guys and that's a lot more than they had last year. And then you add in Bill O'Brien. I think the Patriots are going to be significantly better, but there are only seven rooms at the end. This is true. Um, is there a guy you're looking at as an elevating into superstar status guy, if yeah. you had to bet, is it Lawrence? Lawrence seems like the odds on favorite for this question. Well, the national conversation, I think you're going to start putting Lawrence and Herbert in that, you know, that same Burrow, Mahomes, Allen conversation and Jalen Hurts, of course. But if we're talking like who's going to step up and be in that next year, I think Kenny Pickett is that guy this year. I think you mentioned it. I think they're going to win a lot of games and I think Kenny Pickett's going to be excellent. And then on defense, I really like Jalen Phillips from the Miami Dolphins. He is a pass rushing demon who was just getting started at the end of last season and kind of is the leader there. I think he's going to step up and be in those like, you know, defensive player of the year conversations. So, so uh, MVP this year, I'm I'm so torn. I might go way off the board. I talked about this with my you know podcast producers. I was like, this might be that weird year where if Christian McCaffrey has a thousand and a thousand and the Niners win a bunch of games, all those quarterbacks kind of cancel each other out. And it's like, let's give it to a running back. So I, I might go Christian McCaffrey, my MVP, just because I think so many of these quarterbacks are going to put up big numbers and have big years. And unless, mm. unless we get some like crazy breakout season from a quarterback we didn't expect, like we got from Jalen Hurts, I don't know why you would put one over the other. And I don't think we're just going to just by default, give it to Mahomes or Allen if they don't have the same kind of seasons they've had the last couple of years. I have hurts. I think it's the best odds. I think it's still 12 to one on FanDuel, but um, I just, I think that Philly offense is going to be the best offense in the league. And I think that's, you thought you think it's going to be Detroit. It sounds like. I love Detroit this year, but I don't think Jared Goff's winning enemy MVP awards, no. you know? But I love, uh, I, I think he's going to have like a, you know, 4,900 yards rushing, 12 rush TDs, the same Here's, kind of officially it, stuff he had last year. Like, he was awesome last year. He was. I think and he'll they, be better this year. By a by a large margin, they have the best offensive line in football and the best offensive line coach in Jeff Stoutland. And yep. they, Maialata, who they just gave a huge deal with, had never played football before, and they grew right. him, him into a dominant tackle. They are so good on the offensive line that they can get away with some things. Um my only fear with Philly, and it's not a, it's, it, I still have them winning the division and being great. Last year, they got really great production from Jason Kelsey, from Lane Johnson, from Brandon Graham, and from Fletcher Cox. Those yeah. are four veterans. They're bringing them all back, and they're all back. Like, Old we've guys. Covered, we, yeah, we've covered football a long time, and it's like, mm. can they do it again? And, and you know, last year was amazing that they all stayed healthy and all played such big roles, but you're kind of banking on them again as these other young guys start coming up in the ranks. Philly's going to be good for a long time. I, I'm just curious to see if all four of those guys can make it from wire to wire and still produce. I thought they were excellent last year, and just getting Jalen Carter, who I think everybody thinks is the best guy in that draft, just adding him, not to mention all the other stuff they did. They didn't really lose anybody. And they, you know, they they took their chance with running back to not spend money at that position, yeah. which is kind of the way to go. I mean, that's what that's why I thought it was so weird. Like Gibbs better be fucking awesome for Detroit for them not to take defense at 12 and 18. And they better DeAndre think Gibbs Swift. is like a game changer. Yeah. And like DeAndre Swift goes to the Eagles and he's had a great camp. And it's like, 
shit, DeAndre Swift was in second round pick and has been really good in the NFL. The Eagles didn't take such a major dive letting Miles Sanders walk off. They got, you know, Rashad Petty and they got yeah. DeAndre Swift and they like Gainwell. So they've got three guys. It's not like they're just going out there and they're suiting up with no running back. Well, and that's also a position where you can, if you're panicking in October, you could just trade a third rounder for Tyler Algier or something like that. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's <laughs> always that. easy to grab a running back. I love that guy. That guy got thrown out of my auction yesterday. He went for nine bucks because people are like, oh, that's the guy that ran for six yards of carry for like yeah. two months. Thousand yard season as a fifth round pick at a BYU. And all right, we're going to take a running back eighth overall. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Shrags. Um, Say hi to the good morning football people for us. I will. We're having um, you on a tundra in the season, but um, but I I thought this was good. I like when we disagree. It kind of kind of cement. I think this is a weird season. I don't feel great about it. I've scaled down my future bets. Really, Pittsburgh is the thing I like the most. But other than that, I don't. I I think this is a really hard year. Jets. Dolphins, Patriots, and Bills. That AFC East is a conundrum, and you and I could not be more opposed on how it's going to go. NFC North. That's the beauty of this thing. I think you do a lot of work. You talk to everybody. You know everyone. And I do the same, and it's like, all right, we should all have the same outputs when we get to September 5th, and we don't. And that's the beauty well, of it. And also, the 17-game season, oh, there's it's injuries. so long that it just feels like you're, each team is having like five different seasons during the season, so... My teams, I like quarterbacks, I like offensive coordinators, and I like coaches. And that's how I usually go by. And I know that's yeah. insulting to all the defensive coordinators in the world and all the defensive players. In today's NFL, I think you need to score points in this marathon of a season. Shriggs, great to see you. Thanks for coming up. Thank you, bro. Great being back. All right, that's it for the podcast. Don't forget, new rewatchables went up Lost in Translation with me and Amanda Dobbins. Don't forget to check out all of our football content on the podcast on TheRinger.com and The Ringer Fantasy Football Guide as well, plus all the rankings that we're doing this week. Stephen Reeves' QB rankings are already up. Shio Kapadia's trade value coming. We're going to rank players. Uh, check all of it out on TheRinger.com. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Kyle Creighton for producing this podcast. And I will see you on Thursday. Million Dollar Picks, Super Bowl pick. Probably some Team USA stuff and a lot more. Can't wait. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.